Hello, everybody. Welcome to IntelliCast, Season 3, Episode 38. I feel like we haven't done this in a while. Here we are. Joining me today is Producer Brian. Hello, Brian. Hey, how are you? I'm all right. And Jason Underhees back again. Hello, Jason. I am slowly working my way onto this thing full time. <laughs> Can you produce? <laughs> Can you add sound effects? I can't uh, do Brian Brian Peterson's job. I can't do that. <laughs> this episode brought to you by IntelliCast and EMI Research Solutions. You can reach us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. Follow us on Twitter, please, EMI underscore research or IntelliCast1. We love getting text messages at 513-401-5463. We were supposed to have a couple episodes earlier this week, but we got busy one day, and then we had someone cancel because of a hurricane. And so we're going to do a quick news episode today. And Jason, I appreciate your flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. I guess a hurricane is a good reason to cancel. And I guess um, getting busy at work is a good reason to cancel. If we were just cranking out like an episode a day, we're probably not busy enough on our normal jobs, right? When we're cranking out two a week, we probably had other, we probably didn't have enough to do. Yeah, maybe so. I felt like I was super busy. Just more meetings now. Like if you look at my calendar, and Jason, I've seen your calendar, and I've been in a lot of same meetings as you, and every day is full of meetings. And I don't know how that happened. Um, it's just crazy. Yeah, I said that in an internal meeting the other day. I said, you know, we need to be better about saying no. Yeah, or at least blocking off time, like for ourselves, even if it's not just like a you know an hour, even if it's not a meeting. Like, okay, I need some personal time to just not be in another meeting. I think that's important. right. Well, a little secret is that I blocked off 12 to 1 and 4 to 5 every day the rest of my life. So I try to, and today I have meetings from 12 to 1, um, and I often have meetings after 4. But um, like we talked about internally, it's nice to just kind of block that off and kind of hold it for only if it's necessary, right? Right. You can always you can always add something in if something super important comes up. Yep. Um, like lunch. That's important to me. <laughs> I skipped it twice this week, and I'm not a fan of skipping it at all. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy talk. Well, want to talk about some news, Brian? Yeah, let's jump right in. I want to start off with just giving a quick, some quick highlights from our webinar that we held back on August 5th. If you're, We're recording this on the Friday, so it's been a couple days. Yeah, a data quality webinar, and it was entitled Why You Should, you should Care. And I thought it was interesting in that we we did 19 data quality checks in our most recent research um, on research. It's about 12,000 completes, and we didn't we didn't remove anybody. We let even if we knew you were poor quality, we let you complete the survey. And we just kind of analyzed um, poor responders, and and we analyzed the effectiveness of 19 different quality checks. So that webinar is still out there. There's a, I'm sure you can find it on our website, right? And um, download it. And if you have any questions, love to hear from you. Yeah, you can also find it. We'll have the link in the show notes as well. I'll tell you what, just to add in there, this is one of the most exciting ones, or the one of the, the webinars that I get the most excited about. I, I, it's something I feel like we get to give back to the industry. Yeah. In, in, in kind of a, a weird sort of way. I mean, obviously, this is, it's all of our jobs to kind of, you know, push the envelope when it comes to quality, but. This initiative, I think you downplay it, Brian, because you're so involved in the day-to-day of it. And it is a huge initiative to take on and really is like, I mean, it makes us a better company, but I really think it makes, it it is pushing the industry in the right direction as well. So kudos to you. I know you're not going to sit here and pat yourself on the back, so I'll do it for you. Well, 
thank you. I, I mean, I think it was pretty unique research. I'm not, maybe others have done it, but um, I think it was pretty cool research myself. I don't know if anybody's done that depth. And we also offer a lot of recommendations in it. And um, the impact of not ruining respondents, which I thought was fascinating. There's a lot of things that were a little bit counterintuitive that we learned that I, I, I mean, I would encourage people to download it and look at it. Absolutely. All right. Uh, our first news story is Delvinia has announced virtual panels. Oh boy, this is this is one of, this is one of my favorite news stories of the year, maybe of all time. The first thing I love about it is that they got the announcement on the Insights Association website. So I have to be a little bit careful because um, on our chapter board, um, this seems like almost like a fake news story. Like <laughs> they have a number of virtual panels which are made up of animated personas. And so they're AI models trained to mimic the behaviors, responses, and evolving interests of real customers or consumers. And basically they plug these, I'm kind of reading the article here, but animated personas are plugged into the internet, reading thousands of articles from hundreds of websites each day, looking for topics that match their interests. And then clients sub submit like an idea to this panel through Dalvinia and they get an interest score from these automated people and i don't know is this the future of research i mean they're i don't know jason before i dig a grave here what do you think i know i'm right there i, I wish we could see each other because i've been smiling the whole time you're talking about this my leg oh. is jumping i'm excited about this this is huge news yeah virtual panels yeah is this where we're at now animated personas and yeah. i've got questions i've got so, so what does the ai version of me look like <laughs> yeah. And how in the hell does it know what kind of beer I like? Yeah. What, kind of, what brand of golf ball I prefer? And more importantly, <laughs> how does it know how I truly feel deep down about Debbie Gibson's first album? <laughs> right. 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 Like, I love it. I yeah. think it's super unique, super, um, you know, it's a differentiator to say the least. And it's an interesting approach in general. And I'm yeah. really intrigued. Yeah. Um, yeah. And kudos to Delvinia for kind of jumping headfirst into the abyss. But <laughs> yep. what is happening here? <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, kudos to Raj Manoka, who's one of my favorite people, best dressed man in uh, marketing research. And um, I feel bad for him right now, by the way, that doesn't give him conferences and by far the best dressed person. I'm not even kidding. Um, in all of marketing research. And um, I don't know. How does how do you defend this research? Maybe we should have Raj on. Um, how do you defend this research? Like, Oh, this idea rose to the top. Oh, how can you defend that? Well, nine emojis told me so. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, okay, cool. Let's just move forward, right? Let's invest a billion dollars. Um, we're kind of goofing off with it, but I mean, yeah, it, you're right, Jason. Kudos to them kind of jumping in head first. We'll see how this goes. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't help but be intrigued. I think we're all intrigued, but I, you might be right though. You might be onto something there. Maybe having Raj on and having him speak at length to it. I feel like you could do an entire you know episode around just this initiative. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it's it's um, virtual panel through Mafodify by Delvinia, who's been around for a long time and they're awesome. And, uh, you know, like I said, Raj is awesome too. So we joked around with it, but um, you know, we're both old Jason. Maybe, maybe we're missing out on the, the new trends and research, right? I know. I, I can't, I, hey, even as an old man, I'm still excited about this though. It's very yes. cool and it's neat to see AI, you know, not only stay relevant because a lot of times in, you know, in our industry, there's buzzwords that are around for a year or two. AI is going to be here forever, right? It's going to be around. It's not something that's going away. And 
to I, this just seems so far at the end, other end of the spectrum for what I was going to, you know, what I was going to read today or yesterday or whatever. So yeah, interesting stuff. Well, let's get them some paperwork and put them on our network, right? Absolutely. I love it. They're easily validated. Does this just do away with the, with the incentive structure altogether or do right. is that not an argument anymore? Right. Or does it do away with our company? I feel like I gave like the Braveheart speech a couple episodes ago around, it, you know, in treating respondents correctly. These guys don't care how you treat them. Right. Maybe. Or maybe they do. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they do have feelings. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Brian, when you sent me this article, when you sent me this article, I had two thoughts. First, you and I both agreed we first thought this was a an April Fool's joke delayed. Yeah. And two, I had a more serious question. If lot if lots of sample companies and market research firms are paying gobs of money to stop bots and things like this, are we saying how are we going to identify the good ones versus the bad ones? Yeah, they jumped they jumped in head first like instead of stopping bots, we're embracing bots. Like let's do the opposite. You know, that's counterintuitive. But I just read a book about that, about doing the opposite of what everybody else is doing. Maybe that's what they're doing. They're probably outsmarting us all. Are they are they gamifying the gamified <laughs> version of market research? Right. Are they are they eliminating fraud altogether? <laughs> right. There'll be no fraud. Right. Like what's the point? What what is the I don't know. This okay. I'm Getting into a conspiracy theorist type mindset here. Yeah, we'll, we'll reach out to Raj. I bet he'll come on. Love it. All right. Yeah. Moving on to our next story. The Market Research Society has signed a partnership with Color of Research to strengthen the co- collaboration between the two. Yeah, I mean, we just talked about CORE. I guess that's what they're calling it, Color of Research um, a couple episodes ago, and they're making some moves. Um, I think they're striking while the iron's hot. Good for them, making deals, getting their name out there. Um, good for Theo Francis and um, Jane Frost, who's the chief executive of MRS. Um, good partnership, and it sounds like they're working really hard. Yeah, I agree. This is one of those feel-good stories. Um, you know, hopefully the industry as a whole sees this as you know momentum and you know, these types of collaborations kind of turn out to be the norm, or at least this one is a springboard maybe for, you know, similar initiatives or endorsements or whatever, new associations altogether in the future. It's uh, it's nice to see a positive piece of news with, uh, you know, with such an important topic. Right. And, you know, it's funny because when you read a headline like this, you think, oh, you know, is this a publicity stunt or is, it, is this because of, you know, the, the um, you know, the environment that we're in right now that this type of, but then you realize, oh, you know, Core was just founded in June of 2020. So this isn't that. This is this is a feel good story, and this is people making the right moves for the right reasons. And uh, yeah, this was this is one that definitely made me made me smile. Yeah, it's, it's another. T- um, this probably would have never happened if not for current events, right? Mm-hmm. And we think about all the negative things that have happened, but you know we'll look back at this and see all of the positive changes and all of the new companies that have emerged and new benefits to our life that have come out of this time period. And maybe we're seeing one now, right? That's what kind of what you're saying. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, Brian, can we go to those last two? The, I think they're kind of similar stories. Yeah. So the next one is the 
Women in Research's Market Research Diversity Champion Award. You want to start with that one? Yeah, let's do that one. So that's through WIRE, and um, they're creating to honor individuals in market research um, of all gender identities, embracing all aspects of diversity. And so you can submit awards, um, I think, starting on August 4th through September 18th through the WIRE website. Um, this is the fourth year of diversity champions. And, you know, I, I'm not prepared to talk about who the winners were the last few years, but I would encourage people to go out and vote for people. If there's ever a time to kind of think about who's, who's a diversity champion and spend five minutes nominating someone, I would think it'd be in 2020. Yeah, I agree. Another, once again, another feel good story about our industry, just making a push to be as inclusive as possible. It's, um, I, I I remember when Wire first came out, I, I didn't know if, like, am I allowed to be a part of this? And yeah. <laughs> now it's a different mindset of, you know, I'm, I'm doing a disservice to myself and the industry as a whole if I'm not a part of this, right? Like, this is a, a movement you want to get behind. So, again, um, happy to see these types of those articles and news stories and, and really just hope they keep gaining, keep continuing to gain as much momentum as possible. Absolutely. It looks like for 2019, the gold award winner was Sophia Papadopoulos, and she's an analyst at Cantar. Um, silver awards were Jess Mons and Lindsay Brinkworth. They were from D Scout. And the year before that, some people you probably know, gold winner was Babita Earl, and she's at Zappi, and J.D. Deitch, um, who's now at Scent at the time he was at P2 Sample. And um, so I, I would expect um, lots of nominations this year. That kind of leads into the other one you have. It's an upcoming webinar from the Great Lakes chapter of the Insights Association. Yeah, I'd love to talk a little bit about the Insights Association. And I'm so honored to be part of the Great Lakes chapter with some awesome people. I talk about it a lot. And um, so there's a webinar. It is August 28th, 2 to 3 Eastern time. Anybody can register. Um, the presenter is Eric Ellis, and he's local here in Cincinnati. He's the co-founder and CEO of Integrity Development, and he'll be leading a webinar about diversity and the importance of it um, with companies. Basically, that's what you'll learn. I've seen him speak before. He's awesome. It's sponsored by Burke, and this came about basically because of Damon Jones. We talked about a lot on the podcast. He's been on multiple times, and he created the diversity um, committee within our chapter, and now he's on a newly formed national committee, which um, will I think you'll see some news coming out of that committee soon. But um, that's, by the way, that's who I nominated for the Wire Award is Damon because I'm he's so passionate about this. We've done so much work, and he's really led it in for years. And so I'm excited about this webinar. It's, it's again, it's August 28th from two to three. I feel like all of these stories are getting up right up in the feels today, <laughs> hitting yeah. an emotional piece. I, I, I find myself just wishing our, our regular news was as positive and uplifting as our MR news. <laughs> yeah. Well, what are yeah, the, not, to, not to diminish that, extremely important topics. And again, you just hope to see more of this going forward. Yeah. And, um, I'm on a subcommittee with a couple of people. Um Leanne Evans here locally. She works at Directions Research, and she's worked all around Cincinnati. And uh, Nick Strathopoulos, who works at Lucid in New Orleans. And we're on a committee that is – I think it's really cool that we've reached out to um, some historically black colleges and universities and some other more non-traditional universities. Like I think in Cincinnati, most people hire from uh, Northern Kentucky University. They have an awesome 
marketing research program and some people that are really involved in the community. People hire a lot from the University of Cincinnati, which is just a powerhouse of a business school with a lender school. Um, Miami of Ohio is, you know, their world-renowned um, university and other Xavier. And those are the kind of the traditional companies that people recruit from. And one of the things that I was kind of enlightened of is that people need diversity of just educational background, right? And so we've hired a lot of people at Northern Kentucky University. We need to hire people that maybe have had different types of classes, different types of instructors. And so maybe we should look at like Cincinnati State or Kentucky State, which is a historically black college, or Simmons, which is in Louisville, Kentucky. And we reach out to um, all the HBCUs in Ohio, Kentucky, Missouri, Pennsylvania. And I think we're going to partner with some other chapters about some other ones in the Southeast, maybe. But it's pretty cool, like reaching out to instructors and saying, hey, do you want to partner on something? Um, when's your career fair? Um, is anybody there interested in internships? Here's the career opportunities that are in marketing research that you maybe have never heard of before because, I mean, I know when I was an undergrad, I didn't know what marketing research was, and I was in the business school. And so getting a, bringing awareness to a diverse group of people um, is certainly everybody should be passionate about because I've said this before. We're in marketing research. We're supposed to be taking the opinions of the population and making business decisions on it. And if the people that are in our industry don't reflect how the population looks um, or thinks or um, lots of all the demographic and attitudinal behaviors and um, attributes that we have, then we're not doing our job properly. And so I'm proud to be on that committee. And this is one of the outcomes of that committee. And I just spoke a lot, Jason. Um, love to hear your thoughts on that. No, you just, I mean, you're, you're hitting on all the right pieces, man. Like of all the industries, this, this, you know, market research should be one that gets this right, right? Like we, right. we're the first to sit back and, and moan and groan and complain about our data set not being representative, but not the first to take a, you know, a, maybe a 30,000 foot view of our industry and say, well, hey, we're not representative. Why would we expect a data set? What are, you know? Right. You just kind of got to, you know, walk the talk, really, and, and kind of practice what we preach. So I, I I have nothing more to add than what you just said, but I fully support and 100 percent agree with everything that all of the pieces you just hit on. Yep. And I would encourage people, if you're not, if your company's not a member of the Insights Association, um, look into it because it has been so rewarding. It's not that expensive. Um, you learn so much. You meet so many great people. Um, you get a you could get to be part of great committees like this, and um, I couldn't be happy to be part of it. Um, by the way, something you mentioned, Jason, I think CORE, who we just talked about, is recommending that conference speakers, um, at least 15%, um, should be some sort of ethnic minority, which I think is, that's a good start, right? <laughs> um, we should be doing that before this CORE started and WIRE ever started, but um, I think that's a good start. Yeah, I agree. I, I I think it. it I mean, it sounds very small. <laughs> right. I feel like we have a lot to learn, and we've got you know years, decades, centuries to learn from, and we you know we've got a lot of ground to make up there. So it's it's good. It's great to see. Don't get me wrong. Again, I'm not minimizing the efforts here. It's great to see us push in the right direction. I just I hope it doesn't lose momentum. If anything, I hope it moves in the right direction and continues down that path. All right. That was well said from both of you. Uh, we Our next story is actually an update from our last episode. Uh, we talked about Qualtrics getting spun off from SAP with a new IPO. 
Uh, we have some updated news on that, where SAP intends to remain the majority owner of Qualtrics even after the IPO. Yeah, this is one, I don't know, I feel like there's Qualtrics SAP news all the time, and I always just assumed if you're IPOing, you were kind of divert, you know, getting them out from under the umbrella of SAP. I guess that you don't have to do that. I don't know a lot about how IPOs work and you um, raise money, but I think that's a smart move for SAP to can retain control and as much control as possible while still raising a lot of capital. Um, I'm interested to see how this plays out because I don't know. I feel like there's, there's just, it kind of goes back and forth with SAP and Qualtrics or, and, or even just Qualtrics who clearly has made a lot of good business decisions over the years when, you know, we mentioned this last time we talked about it, they were just kind of in universities not that long ago. And now they're, they're, they're just this behemoth and um, one of the biggest, I'm not sure if they're the highest valued company in marketing research, but they're in the discussion. And so, yeah, we'll see how this plays out. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat with you, Brian. I, I feel like I'm just agreeing with everything you say here. <laughs> I want, I That's want to go argue. first. Yeah, I, I want to argue with you. Points. <laughs> right. I want to argue with you, but I can't. It's um, I didn't. I wasn't sure what to take of this. To take from away from this. You know, obviously SAP bought Qualtrics in eighteen. They're going to continue. They own now a hundred percent of the shares. Now they're launching the IPO in the U.S. But the the reasoning behind it, I didn't. Re- so it was to increase its autonomy. Which was wholeheartedly decreased when the when the acquisition took place, right? Right. <laughs> like, right. are we just going back to? I mean, obviously, Qualtrics has always had a strong brand and reputation in the industry as a whole, and SAP definitely brought something to the table, you know, in that acquisition. Uh, we, I think we all know what that is, but I don't know. I just I don't know. Are we going back to what Qualtrics was prior to the acquisition? Like, is that the goal? <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah. Just with a lot like more cash. Yeah, I feel like we're we're coming full circle here, which is kind of strange. But um, I, I'm I'm sure there's pieces that you know are well beyond my the scope of my mind and, and what I I can grasp right. from it. But um, right, it's right. Uh, it was just different. I don't know what to take away from it. And like you said, I'm I'm interested in seeing how it all plays out going forward. Well, here, here's what I do hope with all those cash on hand, I hope they can afford to get some actual really good speakers at the Qualtrics Summit instead of the jabronis they usually have. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> and the concerts they have, maybe they could bring in some real acts in the future instead right. of having instead of like Michelle Obama and and um, all of the names that Magic Johnson and Ellen instead of those names which nobody's ever heard of before, and instead of like instead of Elton John and Aerosmith bringing in some real quality acts to Qualtrics Summit because that's what I care about really. <laughs> I can't even. I'm comment sorry. On that. <laughs> Did you use the term jabroni? <laughs> yeah, I use the term jabroni because that's now that Qualtrics has will have soon have some money, they can really get in the heavy hitter speakers. <laughs> Maybe we'll get Ryan Smith on the, on the next episode to talk about it. And I was going to start throwing out names, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to steer clear of that. That's doing nothing but getting me in trouble. Yeah, well, I mean, their their lineup rivals any speaking lineup, like uh, conference, TV show, um, <laughs> movie, anything. So, yeah, clearly we're joking. Always important to make a note of that. I, I'm still thrown by the term jabroni. <laughs> I watched some wrestling last night. That's what it is. <laughs> okay. 
All right. Our next story. Kantar has launched Accelerated Answers, a new service promising to deliver real insights from real consumers in as little as six hours. Yeah, I wasn't sure if we we, – we haven't talked about this one yet, have we? This was just announced. It feels like it's another Zappy. So Kantar was part of – had ownership in Zappy, and then we've seen Zappy's success. Um, but, yeah, six hours, Accelerated Answers. Um, good for them. I mean, I feel like they're still innovating, and that's probably why they're always towards the top of the most innovative companies. We joke around about that a lot too, but they're constantly launching new stuff. Um, so yeah, good for them. Yeah, I didn't have much here. It's, I mean, obviously six hour turnaround. I love the the seventy markets. I mean, that's impressive, right? Six hour turnaround. I know it's limited. To, I think I think it's what is it? Five questions. Yeah, five questions, five hundred respondents. So it's kind of like a larger omnibus type solution, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but but you know, you you couple the analysis that goes in and kind of the top line reports that they're going to deliver with it, you know, tabulated data coming with. I mean, that's that's not easy. I mean, I'm not again not minimizing the efforts that go into something like that because that kind of turnaround on that amount of data with five hundred respondents, you know, seventy markets around the world. That's not that's not a tough or that's not an easy undertaking. So um, right. kudos, yeah, hats off. And also, you, you made a good point, Jason, where it's kind of just like a global omnibus. And I feel like I've talked more about omnibuses or heard clients ask about an omnibus more in the past month or maybe more like three months. I don't know what time period because we're all in this weird quarantine time period. But I feel like we've talked about omnibuses a lot. Yeah, it's you're you're a hundred percent right. I I keep this. I can't believe I just said it. I feel like I haven't said it for like eight years. And then all of a sudden the past couple of months, I've said it nonstop. And maybe that's the, you know, the world that we live in people, you know, budgets are shrinking and, you know, people are trying to, you know, cut back anywhere they can. So maybe that omnibus solution is a little more cost effective as opposed to some of the traditional research that's being been done in the past. Um, but uh, definitely sign of the times for sure. And one thing else that they did very strategic, I'm catching on to this. Jason, you'll appreciate this, that they named it Accelerated Answers. And so what's going to happen is as soon as it's successful, they're going to change the name, and it's going to be something like gravy or Skittles. <laughs> that is 100% certainly going to happen. This is the trend. We're on to you people that name things. Um, you come out strong with Accelerated Answers, and then two years from now, you're going to have something different. If, as long as they steer clear of spork, I'm good. All right, we, that's that's ours. No one can take spork. Got to trademark that. We all know it's going to be pancake. <laughs> We've got that one too. All right. In our last news story of the day, it's kind of a two-parter. The Research and Results Conference has announced that it is shutting down. Not Research oh, okay. Results Company. Saw that post on LinkedIn. No. The Research and Results Conference has decided to shut down. Brian? Yeah, this is a press release was July 29th. And Research and Results, I hadn't been, but people at our company had been. And it was kind of the model for Quarks, I think, that it's been around for a long time. And it's just really quick presentations. A ton of people go. And um, I always wanted to kind of go to Research and Results. So when I read that they closed, I was like, um, kind of disappointed, and but understandable, right? They're supposed to have it, I think, next month. This is September, October, when they typically have it in Munich. But then, 
Brian, producer Brian pointed out, well, just a couple days ago, the, one of the co-founders said they're watching a new tragedy show, and it's going to be in the same city, in the same location, and will be next April. Um, I think more information will come, but I have a feeling it'll look similar to research and results, but only an April version instead of a September-October version. I, I'm, I'm struggling here, and I think we were probably going down the same path, Brian um, Brian Peterson. I Was there an argument? What am, There's a piece of the story right. that I'm definitely <laughs> missing. Is this, I feel like I'm being scammed. Um, I feel like a local brewery in Cincinnati did the same thing recently with, by rebranding a mediocre New England IPA with a new name, coming back out with it six months later, same beer, still a mediocre New England IPA. And I'm not saying research and results was mediocre by any means. I'm just saying there's a similarity in taking something, taking it away, or giving you something, taking it away rebranding it and renaming it and giving you the same thing. I don't know. There's yeah, something yeah. here. I'm not going to investigate early. That's exactly where I was going. So <laughs> it's more of a, couldn't you have just delayed it? I mean, if you're going to keep it in the same city, why not delay it? There has to be some behind the scenes stuff. I agree with you, Jason, that has happened that maybe these two finally got sick of each other. Well, let's reach out to Heinrich Fisher. He's one of the, original founders and also the co-founder of the new one. Um, we'll reach out to him. We're going to have a big show upcoming soon <laughs> when we have all the people, when we have Ryan Smith and Raj Manoka and now Heinrich Fisher. Um, emails are going out as we speak. I should say, I should go ahead and give a public apology now because I'm going to look, I'm, I'm going to have egg on my face when we learn why this was <laughs> Why this was shut? One was shut down, and another's being launched. So yeah. I'm just to apologize up front now for <laughs> for for any future stories that come out and show exactly why this is. Yeah, we'll be apologizing. <laughs> we we need more investigative reporting and marketing. <laughs> we could figure this out if we had an investigative reporter. Um, but we'll just wait for the news to come out. Is that is that it, Brian? All right, guys. That is all the. That is that is all the news we have for this week. Okay. Well, Jason Underhees, thank you for joining. I really appreciate it as always. Producer Brian, thank you. Um, listeners, especially thank you. Reach out to us with any feedback, any guest ideas, any topics you'd like us for to cover, and um, have a great week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.